We want to buy new recording equipment. You should join our Patreon to make it happen. <laughs> Way to come in with the chip crunch. I gotta stop eating these. <laughs> it's like shards of glass. Yeah. Yeah. You should hear it in here. I know. I always used to give Daniels a hard time about the nut thins. Oh, dude, totally. Wow, that just blasted from the past. Okay, are you ready? Do you need to swallow? Do you need a drink to swallow that? Yeah, I got to swallow this load. <laughs> Be careful. It might cut, cut you on the way down. Yeah, Daddy, you need to hydrate more. On the more. way down, it's making a bugging from... You guys know what I'm talking about? What is that? On the way down... You saw me. Oh God, it's I'm some, trying to wingman here, but I don't know what we're doing. It's some, like, I feel like a uh, person, like, pop icon that had literally this one hit. On the way down, you saved me from myself. I listened to that. It sounds like something the way. Okay, anyway. I feel like I saw the artist at King's Island. <laughs> like, like they were, there was like 300 girlies like, woo! Is it like... King's Island. <laughs> it's not Aaron Carter. It's not Matt Nathanson. Something oh, like that. Aaron Carter. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. I thought you were going to say Matt Nathanson, which is also a thing. <laughs> I'm stoned. Okay. Ready. 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 <laughs> That wasn't bad. It was okay. I was surprised myself. <laughs> okay, here we go. Welcome to the Remodeled Love Podcast. If the whole episode y'all. is just us. Are you ready? Okay, here we go. People are like, wait a second. Just 50, they look at it and they see 57 minutes. Joe and I call that rounding third. No, this is actually a thing because we make fun of a lot of podcasts that never get to the actual point. Uh, we wanted to do a podcast episode where we keep hyping something, but then somehow shift to another topic and never actually get around to it. Apparently, we just need to be stoned. Oh, uh, yeah. To accomplish that. So. I'm pretty stoned. Okay. Okay. Go. Fall in love just a little, little bit every day with someone new. I fall in love just a little, oh, a little bit every day with someone new. Hey everyone and welcome to the Remodel Love Podcast. I am your polyamorous mama, Jessica Daylover. We're dropping the levity. I am in my Jessica Daylover era. What? Oh, I know, that's, I was not prepared for that. I needed a trigger warning because oh. that goes way back to the beginnings of our relationship. One of the first things that attracted me to you, I'll have you know, was the name Levity Aww. as a stage name and a last name. That's when he knew. I think so. See, and knowing Joe's last name was Daylover is what I was like, that's the best last name ever. I was someone who would choose the word Levity specifically. I'm like, that's a person I would like. Oh, thanks, Nini. <laughs> Cute. Okay. Um, well, and with me in the Dream Life studio, as always, is the cloud sandals to my <laughs> planner fasciitis, <laughs> Joseph Daylover. You owe me a new pair of cloud sandals because you've been wearing mine so much. No, you can, I told you you can have those back. I think they were doing more damage than good for me. Oh, uh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. They're a bit boaty. <laughs> 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 Bow shoes. 
they i think the softness like you know sometimes your girl needs it a little hard mm. you know yeah. sometimes things can be too soft I mean, we, we all got different needs and preferences it's like mattresses i can't do too soft of a mattress <laughs> i'm a bisexual at the end of the day i need a fucking hybrid and everything hannah montana best of both worlds give me all of it why would you make me choose you can have your cake and eat it too. Mm. Mm. I want mm. some Bubba Gump shrimp boat shoes. I thought you were going <laughs> to say cake. I want some cake. And then you said shrimp. And I was like, shrimp cake? <laughs> Ew. He said they're boaty. I'm like, what kind of boat? Shrimp, crab, trout. Sand. Shrimp boat sounds about on par, I think. I know. Shrimp feels good. And with me in the studio tonight also is my favorite person in the whole world. The only person allowed allowed to pop daddy's pimples and blackheads. See how quickly we get hierarchical around here? <laughs> Ash Day Lover. Well, relationship anarchy is just talking about like desires and what you want in the relationship. So it doesn't have to be hierarchical if this was decided by everybody. And this was decided by everybody but you. Yes. Well, <laughs> I decided outside of my presence was what I was about to throw in. Listen, we are consent-based family, people, humans. However, if you're going to walk around the house with clogged-ass pores... <laughs> honest, <laughs> honestly, he's about If the to, tweezers fit. You're about to be demoted, though, because Dr. M's back? Mm, yeah. There was way more than... We, we no. did... I, oh. Wait, 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 wait. Dati, I don't think Dati knew that, that Ash and I shared Dr. M's back. What for the first the time? hell has been going on around here? How long has this been going on? It just happened. We had our first time. Okay, don't shout though. How you, like, how spiked. long ago? Uh, a couple days ago, he was doing the dishes. All right, that's not too bad. I, I think I can stomach that. What but this you... is a, this is a thing moving forward, is what you're telling me. What are you feeling? Do you need to talk about it? Yeah, I think I'm having some difficult feelings come up. Some okay, big feelings. What I'm hearing is you like it when we pop your pimples. That's what I'm hearing. So no, much so I that you just, would get... Uh, ooh, <laughs> ooh, ooh. I had been used to a certain reality for a very long period of time. And then when there's a sudden shift in said reality, it takes a bit of adjustment. You know mm. how I need my expectations set appropriately Whoa. in order to... Deal and adjust. Me thinks you're assuming some things. I said you're demoted, not that you're like done. I just am not going to be as hyped about your back. That's all. I'll still pick your back, but I'm hyped about Dr. M's back. You know, while this isn't off brand for you, the um, salivating at my pores and then being ultimately just disappointed with the results. I'm not surprised. You guys have coordinating outfits right now. We do? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Check it. So, <laughs> I wish the camera was still on. That was very Kramer of you. Nice. That was a gold physical slapstick comedy. Oh <laughs> I was trying to say, if you want to support the podcast, join the Patreon. It really helps us when you do that. I have... I have a goal. We like the Patreon has been such this incredible like foundational system on which Remodeled Love has been able to just like go explore things in the world of creation and resources that we want to generate and put out into the world. And a lot of times I'm like, 
trying to create a resource that I feel like the community needs. Other times I'm like, this is just a good idea in my head that makes me laugh and I want to do it. Um, and so my goal for 2024 was to like really make some love to the Patreon. And I have a goal of us getting a thousand patrons. I think we're 700. Okay. Yeah, I'd really like to get us to a thousand by the end of Q1. <laughs> Q1? I can't say that well, shit seriously. That's okay. Let's do it. Yeah. So appreciate. Yeah. 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 I think that's totally doable. And I, you've been kicking ass. We Thank all you. have on bumping up the exclusive content. Yeah. We've got exclusive podcasts over there now. We're mm-hmm. going to do one after we record this podcast. We're going to go do an exclusive and talk about some um, intense. Like somebody asked, there was a video that we posted on Instagram of us having a late night hangout, our little polycule after the kids went to bed and just like chatting on the bed. And my caption was just like nested polyamory is gooey late night conversations with your favorite people. And then in the caption of the post, I said like the fact that it was ended by a child who woke up to co-sleep. And when we asked, we presented them with their options of who they wanted to co-sleep with. They chose sis of all of their options. They chose sis and that that was a whole other thing that was something for a post later and somebody commented uh a question like how do i deal with the mom ego taking a hit when my children choose ash mm-hmm. over me and that is an exclusive podcast topic so we're gonna be <laughs> recording that after this a multifaceted answer no doubt yeah Ooh, yeah, yeah. Um, today I want to talk about something interesting happening that we're learning that I feel like the culture, you know, polyamorous parents and blended families everywhere are dealing with, but it showed up in our family in a really unique way that we were all like, wow, this would be a really interesting, meaty podcast topic. And that is, um, Ash seeking FMLA because of how sick we all get living together, especially living with kids and that whole journey. Do you want to speak to that? Oh, yeah. Um, It's really tricky in this, uh, at least where we live, to take sick time and have it not counted against you if you're not like a biological or adoptive parent of a child. So I took all of these sick days like in the first five months or so of my job um, because the kids kept getting sick. I kept getting sick. Sometimes just like everyone in the house was really sick, like violently ill, like puking every 15 minutes. Yeah. I mean, we had COVID, we had the flu, then we had the stomach flu, and then just some crazy ass cold that Mm -hmm. we're like, how did we get that? Mm -hmm. It was just super sick for months. Yeah. Plus on night shifts, it's even worse because your sleep is thrown off. Yeah. Yeah. So alternating between days and nights and then when you're on nights, it's, it's even way more intense. Yeah, it's hard for the body to recover. So anyways, like I take all these sick days. We only get uh, five sick days in like a year period before you go into corrective action. Um, <laughs> Capitalism Sounds is so kinky. I know. It's I know. That's so what I sexy. Saying. At the fifth sick, sick day, you get a coaching. That corrective action mm. is coming. In. Well, coming that's good coming because in. I could use a corrective emotional experience. Um, but if I was, for example, if I was a biological mom with the kids, I could be like, oh, let me talk to their pediatrician and say, hey, my kids are sick a bunch. Could, you know, we get some FMLA paperwork filled out. So if this happens again, I can just use my FMLA time, which you get like over 400 hours of FMLA. 
Um, and then it doesn't count against you. Your job is not allowed to know like why you're gone. You just say FMLA um, and it's covered uh, without all the punitive consequences like your raise being jeopardized if you go over your sick days. So in a way, we're curious to see if uh, our kid's pediatrician will work with us with this unconventional dynamic. Yeah, and so it's up to the pediatrician whether or not, like, they decide to do that. And what's interesting is, you know, I'm an entrepreneur. I work for myself. I don't need it. You are a stay-at-home dad full-time. You don't need it. So it's like, listen, none of the parents in our village need this. Can you just fill out the paperwork for the one that needs it the most? (laughs) And I'm like, we're trying to figure out our story. Like, are we going to go with... You're just my best friend living in the house, helping us raise our kids. Or we talked about saying me and you are partners to pull on the queer heartstrings Mm. of like and being in saying Joe and I are divorced, but we all co-family. Isn't that so sweet? This is something we we also contemplated when looking to rent another house. Like what story do we present? And that was one of them that was considered because it, Sounds more palatable to kind of mainstream narratives. It sounds wholesome. Yeah, yeah. it sounds wholesome. It sounds ex- it. What's the word? Yeah, palatable is the word. Yeah, because one of the issues is when you're outside of like someone's semiology, so to say, then you're you can very quickly get into this realm of like your dynamic being taboo and then also being like even worse, like perverse. Um, and then people can have like just implicit bias um, against your dynamic. So it's tricky navigating these systems, I think, and figuring out what to say that gets you what you need that would be available if you, if we were in a country that allowed three parents, like at the same time, like legally. Well, and like also y'all know that like, we're, you don't even have to be, you know, connected to us in any way just the fact that we need four adults to afford our home you are in the home where children are getting sick they're going to school they're coming home they're sick we're getting sick you can't avoid it we are financially interdependent and this is key because you're whether you get this fmla or not could affect you know how much money you're making yeah long term it's just some nuclear family normativism where it just it doesn't they just everything is so separated and commodified and like it's just ridiculous to me that we even have to worry about what our story is in order to get you the fmla that is obviously you are a what does it stand for a family medical some fmla what does it stand for family and medical leave act okay do you have a family are you living in a family yes Give me the FMLA, motherfuckers. Are you telling me I can only get FMLA if I have biological children or am married to somebody? Yeah, we're really hoping. I just, this is a unique scenario. So we're hoping it works out. We haven't even asked yet. That's going to happen hopefully in the next month. Yeah. We should get on that. Yeah, sooner than later. I have a good feeling for the ask. However we present it. Yeah. If not, I can't take another sick day until August. That's when my fifth one falls off or the first one falls off. It's a weird system, y'all. It is. It's wild. I have this philosophy about bureaucracy that also applies to real life in general. And it is all you have to do is fill out the right form in order to do what you need to do. And even if there isn't another literal form to fix this specific thing, there is another quote unquote form solution. 
Yeah. Somewhere, somewhere is a human being who has a form or can create a form to give you the solution that you're looking right. for. Right. It might not be in this current form, like different use of form. But, but it's out there. And it, it it's it's something that I came to really appreciate and sort of be a little tenacious about during my old uh, <clears throat> grant writing days. Somewhere out there beneath the pale I was like, I'm going to stop singing because this is going to sound good and I want to leave it in. Yeah, that's, I had that same thought. Oh, Not for you, for me. <laughs> nice save. Somebody's in a wound. <laughs> what the frick are you talking about? Ew. Somebody's in a wound. <laughs> I was just giving you shit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Listen, listen, listen. Um, I've got some questions for you guys. But first I want to talk about our workshops real quick, real quick. We've got workshops, how to throw a sex party, even a neurodivergent demisexual first timer would love, the reluctant demisexual, and rituals for connection. Check them out on our website. Wait, the the reluctant (laughs) demisexual? That needs to be a workshop, it turns out. I... Yes, yeah, so mine is the reluctant polyamorous. Thanks, guys. Thanks, <laughs> yeah, guys. I'm going to hit this pen real quick. <laughs> yes. I'm going to get more stoned <laughs> than I already am. Yeah, I but, never did live radio stoned because I was like, listen, I'm really good at live broadcasting, but I have to have full faculties. This is going to be really yeah. amusing. I thought you were trying to fart. No, I heard a child and I just wanted to see if it needed intervention. Yeah, Rituals for Connection. I got a couple workshops coming up the line. I'm trying to not let myself get distracted from my intention to like really make love to the Patreon right now. But there's also some some workshops just screaming in my space and they will torture me if I don't get them out. The muse, you know, the muse is here mm. and, and the muse wants me to channel these workshops. And I am trying not to get distracted. But at the same time, if you don't do them, they'll just leave. Yeah, you gotta get it when the muse is here. That's how it works. Yeah, we're gonna take a quick break, and uh, when we come back, I have some questions for you guys. <laughs> I fall in love just a little, little bit every day with someone new. I fall in love just a little, oh, little bit every day with someone new. This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.
and welcome back to the Remodeled Love Podcast. On that break, we did some Googling and we found the song you were looking for. Jessica, the song you were looking for was the 2004 pop sensation On the Way Down by Ryan Cabrera. <laughs> uh, you could just pull it right out. Like, there's nothing. 2004 was the 11. character. Yeah, the, the radio voice, the, oh, yeah. the cadence, the delivery. Oh, yes. Thank you for <laughs> noticing. What were you saying, sis? I was 11 years old. How old were you, Daddy? <laughs> I would care not mention. We, we just talked about their age gap relationship mm-hmm. on the exclusive episode on the Patreon. Because you bitches are nosy, which is fine, but you got to pay for it. Yeah, I always get curious about people's age gap relationships. I get it. I get it. Mm-hmm. We get it. We get it. around, And now, apparently, you get it. Mm. Or will get it. Yeah, totally. Ooh, ooh, ooh. I got all kinds of good content on the Patreon this week. Um, we just went to, Dr. M and I just went to our first like really big sex party together, which is what we wanted to be podcasting about tonight. But the mad scientist is literally at his lab right now doing mad scientist things because he's on a really big deadline. And he's so sad to not be here in mm-hmm. this episode tonight. Ooh, I could tell him. like he was like, well, maybe if I come home and did it. And I'm like, maybe just... <laughs> Just stay. Got to focus. He knew it was the right call and he appreciated it. I also forgot to introduce old man Hank. Old man Hanky Hank. Hanker. Hankerson. Mm-hmm. Our senior rescue. We we only rescue senior dogs. This is a super fun fact about the day lovers. We've been rescuing senior dogs since 2008 and we don't have them for long, but oh, we they are the best. They are the best, <laughs> best, best in Hank. And, and every time I think it's not going to get better. It always does somehow. It's just somehow, and Hank way, is the bestest boy. Way, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Before Hank was Lucy. Before Lucy was Nick. Yeah, Pickles. And before Pickles. Was the home bear. Was Homer. Homer J. Oh, he's just over there snoring. Mm-hmm. Mm, he's I, too cute. I love him so much. Okay. So my questions for you guys um, was, what lesson are you learning in polyamory right now? What lesson are you learning in parenting right now? I can start with parenting. And one of the larger shifts that I was putting some words to for the cup of Joe has to do with moving more toward consequence free parenting. And by that, I mean, or I don't know what the exact, there's a term, right? I don't Pause. Know. Cup of Joe is your diary on our Patreon for the reference. Yes. So Joe releases correct. a diary entry a week called Cup of Joe. So that's, this is your last entry that you're talking about right now. No, it's just something I'm writing on for it. I haven't put it out there. Oh, okay. And is there a, is there a specific term for this? Um, Non-coercive. Non-coercive. Parenting is one. There's a lot of different terms. All the terms you can imagine, but non-coercive, collaborative parenting. Yeah, Yeah, basically finding other solutions or ways of handling things other than taking away privileges. You know, sort of these non-natural consequences. I'm not talking about like, if you're hitting your brother, you know, it's a natural (laughs) consequence for me to remove you from this, like, so that to protect someone else from getting hurt that is a natural like you're going to be moved against your will that's a natural consequence i'm trying to get away from unnatural consequences and it's it's really improved my relationship with our eldest quite a bit and so when did we pull consequences officially it was like a little bit after you got here I think it's definitely been i won't say a work in progress i think there's been ebbs and flows um, for it, um, <laughs> Ash is like, you haven't pulled consequences. <laughs> just don't give yourself <laughs> fucking credit. When no, did we? No. When did we? Like, there was like a. You're right. I mean, I fail most of the time, but there was like it was after you got here that 
philosophically, we were like, ooh, we should do that, which we learned from you. Mm, I think it was a few months in when it really started more in earnest. Um, I mean, just for the record, like I didn't come in and was like, oh, y'all, y'all should apparent like this. You should only do it like this. I, I have kind of a co-parenting philosophy of we don't all need to be the same. We're not all the same. Like different people might have a different way they want to handle something. And I think that that can be okay. Unlike some generations or some people now who are like, no, we have to always be on the same page all the time. Otherwise kids are confused. I do not think kids are that confused by someone having a different way of handling a situation. Totally. Um, and yes, you have genuinely been about that. And I think that philosophy has moved something in me as a parent in general, where I just worry about less things across the board, because I'm like, I know Ash would be like, as long as, you know, one person like, as long as these things are consistently good, it doesn't matter what happens. And so I just think that in general. But also, there really hasn't been a parenting thing that you have brought to us or put on the table or been like, this is what I want to do with any kid in my presence, mm. you know, whether, you know, the children in our house or village children that I haven't been like, mm, that resonates, I'm on board. And so I'm constantly in like, you're not forcing it. You're not even weird about it. But I'm still like, she's right. Yeah. I mean, absolutely. The dialogues that we've had and all the research that you've done has certainly been influential for me personally. But the thing that shifted that made me want to really lean into this was that I, when I'm giving a consequence like, oh, I'm taking away your iPad for this many hours or something like that because you did X. And I feel bad. I feel bad enforcing that. And then when he's later compliant, like being all goody goody about it, like wanting to get back on the good side and like, look, I'm going without my iPad or just kind of like being good again. I, I, I it doesn't make me feel good. It makes me feel bad. Well, and it's conditional because the second you're like, oh, good job. Well, you still can't have your iPad. It's like, <gasps> and you're like, oh, yeah, that wasn't real. You weren't actually moving the energy. It just felt it just started feeling really artificial to me. Like I'm making you just jump through these imaginary hoops. That, that is what it is. Yeah, in order to like, I don't know. It just felt like, it just feels fake. Or I felt fake, mm. you know, in my own skin. And I'm like, this is, mm. there's got to be a better way. Because like, there, this, this method is not, it's not bringing about changes that are really desirable. Because he's, you know, the, the issues are still, you know, he might, he might have consequence in his brain before he does things in the future. If you use consequences. But it really... I don't think it produced that much of a difference. In fact, I think it made things worse. Way more explosive in general. I don't know. I think for me, like coming from being a ex-evangelical, ex-Christian, uh, in the last few years, especially for me, it started to flavor way too much of this kind of like biblical something of using, you know, fear and shame and might <laughs> to get my way it's to giving, teach some morals. It's giving Old Testament. It's, it's giving, giving Leviticus. um and then i also have this thing where i like to get really curious when kids are saying stuff to me so if a kid is saying like hey that's really mean or that's not fair or that makes no sense or you're being bossy i'm gonna think about that like am i being mean am i just being bossy like is that not really fair and the more i thought about it i'm like no it doesn't really seem fair that me this person who's like four times bigger than you has way more worldly knowledge. So I have more wisdom. I have more experience. 
I'm just kind of, you know, pushing you around and using these really coercive methods to get you to do what I want to get you to be a good person. Um, but what is good and what is compliance and is that more important than who someone is inside? And also what about coping mechanisms? What does taking away your iPad teach you about how to handle a hard situation? It just teaches you to like maybe fear your iPad getting taken away more, but it doesn't help you to learn how to breathe, how to regulate yourself, how to take space, how to ask for what you need, how to whatever, you know? So I think the focus for me, like my parenting philosophy is, How do I connect with this child? How do I honor this child's feelings, wants, needs, desires, preferences? How do I collaborate with this child? How do I hold space for the hard feelings? How do I keep this child safe physically, mentally, and emotionally as best I can? How do I help them through the suffering? And how do I coach them lovingly um, with the full belief that they have it in them, that they can do it, that they are inherently good um, to, uh, how do I coach them and equip them with the skills that they need, which takes a long time. It takes a long time. It takes actually a good deal of your life to learn all of these coping mechanisms and skills. Dude, that was a whole ass word. Yeah. Yeah. Like, cause here's the thing is I'll give you, so we're saving it for the exclusive episode of like, how does just deal with mom ego? But I'll just tell you right now, Ash is the better parent and I'm just really fucking grateful to have them around. Yeah, 100%. I mean, I, I, I shudder to think about, you know, if we never met, if this never happened, like, what would what kind of family would we have? Like, how would our kids be? Because the more I saw it and looked at it, the, like, I'm not teaching when I'm doing this. I'm just teaching them compliance. I'm setting them up later on to be a good worker, a good capitalist, to just <laughs> be compliant. You know, that's what I'm, I'm not teaching them about, like, value or how to be a good person. Or how to be considerate or thoughtful or self-aware of yourself in a space. You know, I'm just teaching you to, to follow orders. Yeah. I, I'm definitely working on incorporating this concept of like, thank you for your no, right? Like, thank you for not doing something that doesn't make any sense to you, actually. Because that's something we can talk through and we can work through. Um, and if I can't explain it to you, then... You shouldn't have to do it because otherwise I'm parenting from this authoritarian place, which is where all my trauma stems from, is from parents who were like, because I said so. And you questioning that is actually so offensive to me that now I'm going to double down. So instead of trying to connect you or make you believe that you are even worthy of having something explained to you. Mm -hmm. So then it just like creates an oppositional defiant, especially autistic child. Ugh. And this new approach, I mean, Aslan still does the same behaviors. I mean, but what's different is our relationship has shifted. There's more trust. There's, he's, he'll, he'll sooner stick with me when I'm trying to hold him accountable instead of like try to run away. He'll, he'll ex- tell me what he did. He's he, more honest. Like he's yeah, not, he's fearing. not afraid to tell me about the stuff he feels bad about. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Cause he's like more likely to look to us for help with it. So he's like more truthful about, you know, the big, bad, scary, shitty things he does because when he knows that we want to be right there with him, we're on his team, we're on his side. And two, he knows that we might have ideas before he could care less about our ideas. <laughs> he's like, I don't trust you for nothing. You know, I do trust you, right? You're my most trusted people. But when it comes to the things that are vulnerable and feel scary or shameful inside me, I don't trust you. Like, well, and I think the fact that Aslan is choosing Ash so often to sleep with, like he wants mommy or he wants sis, you know what I mean? And not that he doesn't want daddy, but just like, it's not, 
it just goes to show that you have created a relationship with him that is so safe that he defaults to you. Yeah, it's not just you're the the new parent who kind of gets like the special treatment of, you know, I don't have all the... Like the auntie vibe. Yeah, or, you know, the sort of a person who's there frequently, but they don't have the like parental baggage, so you're safe. It's not just that. Like, it's because you are like actually safe in the way that he really needs it. Yeah, just in the way that I think he's like... Once again, just like how he was when he was little, he's more cuddly with you now. Like he's more like, oh, you know, my daddy and wants more hugs and kisses with you now because there's just more of that trust building, more of that safety building. Yeah. Well, and like you've had to, in order to create that, you've had to move through what you call your like East Coast righteous parenting anger. Yeah. My pride gets the better of me if I am, I I can be, you know, I can be a little bullheaded. You know what I'm saying? Like when I just pick this, it doesn't even make any sense. You know, it's just like, this is totally irrational decision like arbitrary are totally arbitrary doesn't make any sense and you you, and and yeah you can see how that's gonna go over right Mm -hmm. and then there's this thing it like clicks in my brain of uh, i'm just gonna stick to it it doesn't make any sense fucking bullshit everyone's telling me i'm crazy but guess what i'm fucking doing i'm the daddy watching daddy double down ash and i will just look at each other like here we go oh my goodness it's 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 pretty bad but so this is a a temperament that I grew up with. And don't get me wrong, I have a lot of fondness for the culture in which I grew up. And and I celebrate that, you know, when I do my Philly Joe voice and all these things. And but it is a it is a culture that I grew up in where, you know, the authoritarian parenting and, you know, yelling and shaming and, and a lot of just those sort of old testament approaches to parenting are, are still kind of around and and that's what I grew up with and that's what I'm unlearning and that's what's largely responsible for a lot of my issues for which I you'll all be happy to know I'm seeking therapy yay Ooh, we love it wow that was amazing so you're learning to parent collaboratively and without consequences Collaborative without punishment. If we don't say punishment, somebody will get nitpicky about the word that we've chosen. And what you really mean is you're punish you're parenting without punishment. Well, actually, I kind of mean consequences, but if you want to get into a semantic argument argument, I guess we can. Comment yeah. below. <laughs> <laughs> My gosh. Um, Ash, what are you learning in either category right now? What am I learning? I think in polyamory, I am learning that sometimes even when people are like a really good fit and really aligned like sometimes there's just life things and logistic things that make building relationships difficult and I think I can get pretty sad about that sometimes and I'm also learning even with that even with those life logistic things to not just like accept it in the sense of not asking other dates for one for context or for an explanation if things are not going to wait I thought or that we had talked about um, like, you know, before um, and then communicating what my desires are and what my needs are, which is really hard for me when because I'm like, I love giving everyone the benefit of a doubt. I don't want to be too needy. I don't want to scare away people. Um, but then I also noticed that like I'll be walking around the house grumbling about X didn't do this and Y person never said this. And I'm like, well, sounds like there's some kind of like feelings brewing, which means that I'm not I'm not advocating for myself or or I'm not accepting what the reality is if I have gotten an answer from X or Y human. 
I bet so many people listening can resonate with that. that. So many of you are in that right now. And Ash does peer support if you want to talk to them about it. I will update my calendar someday. In the meantime, just keep sending me multiple messages on Instagram. (laughs) Like, yeah. (laughs) My God. Yeah. Or you just email us at remodeledlovet. Honestly, if you email Jess, then she will bug me. That's more effective than my Instagram messages, which I don't read. But listen, you get two bugs. Two bugs and I stop bugging you. Okay. Okay. Um, Thank you for sharing that. That's super relatable. And I feel like you really covered all dimensions of the self-awareness. You really went, like, it was very well done. Mm. Yeah. Plagued with self-awareness you are. <laughs> oh, my goodness. You know, I can trick I can trick a therapist or two with yeah. how self-aware I am. Uh, totally. After a while, they'll be like, wait a second, wait a second. We think you intellectualizing over here. And I'm like, no, 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 no. Let me just be self-aware and wise so that you don't have to tell me anything. Yeah. I'm all, I have already solved everything. I'm just here to present it all to you. <laughs> God, that's so me. Like, where's my lollipop at the end of this? Tell me I did a good job and I'm fun. You were the kind of like, when you wrote papers in college, you wrote like two paragraph long introductions and two paragraph long conclusions. I'm talking a full page. Oh boy. <laughs> <laughs> no, actually, I actually approve of like non, of like what they teach you as the standard of non-standard mm-hmm. academic approaches. But yeah, especially I, I would have dug it. Especially mm-hmm. if it's full of thought and yeah. not just... I didn't do the work and I'm trying to like <laughs> regurgitate made up shit on the spot. One of the issues though was um, I read way too much Ellen Montgomery as a child and that woman, bless her. I love her books. Anna Green Gables for anyone who don't know. And then a bunch of other books that most people don't know. Um, she could take a page and a half on one sentence with very careful uses of semicolons, colons, dash and commas. Okay. I love <laughs> A sh- like okay. one sentence y'all well okay real quick favorite punctuation go semicolon Ooh, um, that's my second favorite or it might be oh no, no no actually no 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 i i retract that you can have semicolon okay. i'm not going with that i'm not that's not my number one go ahead ellipses mm, I love, if i was gonna have like a a really hot foursome uh would be with ellipses semicolon and the one i'm gonna say <laughs> mm. I'm that dude that will end a text with an ellipsis. Mm. Ew. <laughs> Ew. Are no, you mad actually, at me? Are you mad at me? No. I hate when people do that. <gasps> are you breaking up? Is this how it happens? It would happen over punctuation. It would. Period. Period. <laughs> Exclamation. Okay, what's your, what's your favorite punctuation? Um, My favorite. Oh, y'all. Favorite? It's like when, like, you know, my, yeah. like... I know. Kids Top are three. like, who's your favorite? I'm like, I love you both. Um, I'm non hierarchical with my yes. <laughs> amorousness toward okay. Um, my top three yeah, there you go. would be the colon because we all know I like the colon's stuff. underused. <laughs> the semicolon because we all need a little edging in our life. Ooh. And <laughs> those are great slogans if those were like businesses. Anyway. And the dash, because I haven't seen you in a week, so we need to get to that bedroom real quick. Mm-hmm. So the M dash is mine, number one. Just like, And I'll save it and I'll like put it somewhere and they'll be like, mm, that wasn't the right place for the one M dash I'm going to use mm-hmm. in this paragraph, you yeah. know, and I'll pull it back out. But yeah, I want to get down with the semicolon and M dash and an ellipses. Mm. 
Mm. You think you think that's sexy, don't you? Oh yes. Just thinking like, hmm, how can we throw some brackets in there? <laughs> I mean, come on now. Brackets this are whole podcast so... could just be about punctuation. Brackets are giving cis dude, and I cannot. <laughs> what, what I love what? is like, you know, you got that combo. You got like the parentheses, but then something in the parentheses needs a bracket. Mm. Mm. <laughs> mm-hmm. Right. So anyway. Oh. What am I learning about parenting right now? Um, oh, I didn't have an answer ready. And now I'm going to have to say the one that came up naturally. Exciting. Um, I guess just that. So workaholism runs. I am literally in the middle of a sentence right now. Well, Joe like is like gesticulating. Joe is like <laughs> I'm getting ready to talk about my deepest trauma, and Joe's like, "Hey, can you pass me the weed pen me first, babe? Babe, can you pass me? The, do we need to take a? Let's just all take a hit." That was. I thought you were just really leaning in, listening to her. <laughs> I was like, oh. "Well, I thought you were trying to like either smoke it yourself or pass it." You look so attentive, like, "Oh, here's my baby." talking about parenting and you're just like give me the weed pen i I am really curious what your answer is (coughs) i was like getting ready to bear my soul this is only my second puff so what i was gonna say is what i'm learning in the realm of parenthood right now is in general i'm overstimulated and burnt out and that's like this interesting place where dr m and i have a really deep trauma bond is maybe what it is but it's like it's like a deep empathy for each other and a deep compassion that he is severely burnt out in professionally because of the nature of his job and the nature of getting a phd and then launching right into your career and the nature of playing in the unknown of fucking science um and i am burnt out in motherhood and so my dopamine is in the things that i create as an artist and I'm finally having six, like, I feel like create, I've always been in joy and levity with creating things since I started making shit. Mm -hmm. I mean, gosh, you know, I started making shit. My first radio show was a little Mickey Mouse tape recorder when I was like five. (laughs) (laughs) When did you start doing the announcements at school? Okay. In middles, this is the most autistic shit. (laughs) It's so embarrassing, (laughs) except I was amazing at it. I convinced the front office ladies of my middle school to let me do the afternoon announcements. Good afternoon, Green Lake Middle School. Here are your afternoon announcements. Bus five is going to be late. <laughs> the choir has moved to the gym. I don't know, whatever. <laughs> and I was so good at it that they let me start doing the morning ones. Oh, snap. Promotion. The, cr- the cringy thing is that I walked around thinking I was so cool. And I'm sure that that was not cool. Yeah, I mean, that's like me at church, like running the soundboard and, you know, doing tech stuff for like worship leaders. And I was a worship leader, too, Um, thinking I was like, so cool. I'm like, you know what? I did all the PowerPoint like presentations for this, like, love Jesus song. Everyone must be looking at me like, who's that girl up in the booth? No, no, it wasn't. So same This is why we're twins in weird ways. Um, yeah, so 
as an artist, I it's I've made a lot of really cool shit in my time that like nobody ever saw, you know. Um, and so now a lot of people are seeing my stuff and it's very satisfying. There's a lot of dopamine in that. I've also been an entrepreneur for 18 years and I'm finally like, holy shit, I can provide for my family. There's just a lot of there's a lot of growth happening in that world. And so the dopamine feedback is really, really intense inherently and also just by the nature of it. That was kind of repetitive. Anyway, and workaholism runs in my family. So I have a pretty extensive family trauma history. I don't know a single generation in my family line that is not severely emotionally traumatized, if not more. And I think one thing, one area that we were blessed is that um, alcoholism and drug abuse was never a coping mechanism. It was always work. So I already have workaholism kind of in what my family uses to distract from pain and hardship and things like that. And so I'm burnt out and I often find myself asking the question that many women and mothers and birthing people legitimately ask themselves like and deserve to ask, which is who who would I be and what would I have been capable of achieving if I had not become a mother. Mm, yeah. And so that, and some people, like you can see the way that motherhood completely changed the course of what they may have been able to like bring to the world. And that is also super capitalistic. Mm. Why am I orienting my, what was I capable of? Because raising two fucking awesome children is also, if not more like, wow, amazing thing. But that one doesn't give me the dopamine. Does that make sense? Yeah, absolutely. Right. What's our metric for deciding where how, our, if our time is well spent in these areas or not? Mm-hmm. Like where, where are we deciding from? You know, from a material standpoint or just from a, maybe like a maturity or just like a wellness place or the quality of our relationships? Like what's our barometer for evaluating, okay, this is a good like dispersal of my time. And yeah, I think to some degree, like almost no matter how woke you are, you're a product of this culture of media um, that um, perpetuates and continues this idea of like lost potential in motherhood. So I think that I don't, I don't know that many people who can escape from that mm-hmm. with the constant bombardment from birth of mm-hmm. that. Yeah, God, totally. And it just makes me feel so I know whenever I talk about my relationship to motherhood, very honestly and very vulnerably, I get messages saying, or, I, you've made me very uncomfortable. I am very triggered. I need to unfollow you. And then I get even more messages from people saying, oh my God, thank you so much for saying that out loud. So if you're listening to this right now and you're feeling very triggered about my relationship to motherhood, I really invite you to look at that trigger for yourself because yeah, why why does that upset you so much? It happens mm-hmm. every time, whether it's a reel, a TikTok, a post, mm-hmm. I get both messages. You know, what is it? It's a... Uh... Yes, and, right? I think some people get in their feelings about those like really vulnerable thoughts because they they assume certain negative things that it implies, right? Yes, you can feel like you've lost your potential or like the ceiling is lowered as a mother and you can absolutely absolutely love your kids and you know couldn't live without them, right? So I think sometimes people are like, well, if you're saying that, then you must also 
just like <laughs> somebody told me how are your kids gonna feel when they grow up and like listen to this media that you've created and i'm like well it won't they'll know i'll i'll be in conversations with them about my relationship to motherhood especially if it's something that then changes their path like i am a neurodivergent mother who didn't know any of that until i had neurodivergent children and we lived in a state of overstimulated mm-hmm. each other back and forth for infinity and like hey that might be information that could change how you feel about the decisions you make when you grow up and it's also so interesting right because i think we i think people do this all the time as parents but they don't say it explicitly so they'll be like well I, I was a dancer and then you came along and I decided to stay home with you. <laughs> How I miss dance and the stage, right? So we say it in this way where children be like, oh, okay, okay. Oh, I guess, so. Am I the reason you gave up your dreams? <laughs> am, am I the reason you never went to um, college, Dad? Yeah. You know, because you were, you know, working at the factory for, you know, 18 hour days. Oh, wow, you really wanted to do stuff with your life versus someone like being a bit more honest and like walking and talking through that with you <laughs> and mean, saying like how they really appreciate you but they're also you know coming to terms with certain changes in their life which is just life all of this has the trappings of capitalism for me and achievement culture imposter syndrome because like kids that's just the ultimate what what would my life have been if i hadn't done this what if i hadn't married this dude what if i hadn't gotten my degree there what if, yeah, what, the, if, what, if what if what if on and on and on and on you know because we're always plagued with these doubts yeah. be, with the and maybe it's maybe it's the sort of like trauma that we're all undoing of trying to just know that we're enough and we don't have to like achieve in order to prove that mm-hmm. yeah mm-hmm. except for you maybe this one person listening listening to this who was not plagued by any of these doubts. And it's like, what what are they speaking of? It's the greatest thing I have ever done. I always feel completely confident with all my decisions. Yeah. <laughs> who are these people in this agenda they're pushing? Yeah, no, I mean, I, so you're assuming the kid's going to hear that and be like, oh, you know, all butthurt and hurt about it. You know, the kid could listen to that and go, oh, like, you're putting that on me? Like, what about, like, wake wake up? Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? The kid could just as well have a more empowered stance on it. Mm-hmm. Every yes brings a no to something else. Totally. You and know? also, part of the trigger is, like, you can be a good mom and be like, Ooh, this this is a hard thing for me to, I'm not doing great. Mm-hmm. I'm not <laughs> loving it. I'm on a lot of meds. Multifaceted. <laughs> yeah. Many layers. Yeah. Well, in motherhood on a commune for me, we're talking a very different story. It's really just this like super atomized, isolated fucking experience. I think I freak people out because we went to a birthday party today for somebody in our kids class and a mom was like asking me about like where we live and because I she was just like really happy with how our kids were getting along and I think I too intensely was like I was wondering what was going on there what what oh god you heard it I yeah if if I if what you're about to say is what I think I'm remembering I mean welcome to my life where little Jessica just wants connection connection mm. connection yeah. connection and other people think I'm eager and you used to tell me that oh I mean I think I mean do you remember, do you remember that yeah. You told me all the time that I was too eager. I was triggered. <laughs> Aww. I think um, so many people 
or even neurodivergents who can fit into the neurotypical world, um, they do that by like filtering fullness of their emotions. And that's very, that's very in, that's very in, in the mainstream world, which is like to be very filtered, to have like a lot of layers between your feelings and what you are showing to the world. And some of us neurodivergents, even when we're generally good at masking are just never good enough to the neurotypicals. And they don't know what the fuck to do with like, wow, that is a real intense emotion. And even though it's perfectly natural, it's perfectly normal. We just, I think are taught in society that there's something wrong with it, that it's too much. I don't believe that, that like it catches people off guard and then conversations can be awkward for them or for the neurodivergent person, um, because of that. And it's so sad (laughs) to me sometimes, right? It's like happy stems, like autistic joy. People are like, what the hell is going on with that child over there? And it's like, they're happy and they're showing it with their body, right? So someone being like, I'm burnt out. Wow, you have kids. I have kids. I like you. You seem to like me and you might want to set up a play date, right? Isn't that a, a thing that people do? And so I think it's also confusing, honestly, when you're like, what? Is this just not a thing? Like, what world am I living in where we don't, you People know, seem go weird. over to each other's houses yeah. and, and, you know, it's, yeah, it's commune together. <laughs> a reflection of how bizarre our world has gotten with the very natural flow and rhythms of life that we've gotten, when that we've replaced with these sort of plastic, artif- literal, pl- artificial ways of existing and, and relating to each other. I think we're witnessing, like, what the aftermath of the destruction of the community. No, dude, I was just thinking that that people think it's so weird that I am like, no, literally, if you ever need a place for your kids to go, we are the house that you can drop them off at. That's actually a very sus and maybe too strong borderline creepy thing to say when really I'm like no is that not something you super need because I super need that and we have the resources currently especially in our new house to be that and you have to build those relationships and I guess in my mind I'm like oh man our kids are have been friends for so long but well you're you're not wrong for being eager that's that's also that's the underlying point is like you're not the problem here yes you you might be eager in a situation but it's only it only produces awkwardness or uncomfortableness because of the culture that has made it so. That's like, messed up where we now need like a 30 page application and so many coffee dinner dates slash ran into you in the park so many times before we feel comfortable having a play date. Yeah. Like, <laughs> well, and I think, I mean, I think I had like four weird moments this last week and I tried to be really outgoing and connect with four different parents that came into my way of like, hey, like, let us know, like, play dates and stuff. And somebody said, I don't, somebody said something that led me to say, well, yeah, like, our, our, what we can do is so limited by our youngest. And so creating play dates at our house is the easiest thing for us to do. Mm. Um, and I think people just forget or don't know having a special needs or um although you can like take shoe a lot of places now but it's very different i think a lot i think what i've noticed just like as a nanny babysitter and then just like observing people i think a lot of people just have this kind of guilty fear thing of just feeling like their kids are going to be too much of a burden for someone else so i think that we've also have this thing of just not because we socialize less i think as a society i think we're we're seeing less we're seeing less of what is normal in children and so then we think that our kids are i mean our kids are special like all all your kids are special but we think our kids are just some like 
big disruption or something. So then, well, no, I don't want, I don't want this play date or maybe it's going to be too much on me. So I just think our tolerance and our ability to, yeah, handle what for me is just like normal development in kids is, is low. Also, you know, throw in the fact we're very non-traditional family. We have time to be with our kids. So therefore we're, we're in need of like more solo time. Oh, true. Whereas most parents, they're both working. All the kids are in school or in daycare and they have f- blood family in town that will take them on the weekend. So yeah. it's like, they good. Yeah. They, maybe they, they, they don't see their kids. Maybe they're like, like, I miss my kids. I don't really want them gone. They need more time with their kids. Like they're probably likely in a very different scenario. Maybe. Yeah. Some of them. So they could, that could be playing a role too. So it's, all the more reason to not get in our head about, you know. The, no, I'm just uh, the, embarrassed because I definitely just zero out of four this weekend. Or it was like good until I got a little too eager and then they got like weird and sus. And I don't know, autistic mom, you're probably going to think I'm weird and sus. And if you look me up online, you're probably going to really be like, well, can't go over to their house. So mm. all that was standing. I know how bad it feels to have those interactions and to be in your head about it. Uh, because of your drive and how you advocate for yourself, we now have two solid, steady families of people we love where we exchange play dates. Um, and it's just going to keep growing from there. Mm, I appreciate that. I don't know how I'm going to edit this together because I'm going to take a huge chunk of that out, but I want to mm. keep some of it because it yeah. was really good. So if none of that made sense, um, yeah, these two were just walking me through. I got a little triggered when, um, Joe affirmed that I was like weird to another parent today and trying to build a and trying to experience some nuclear fusion. And I probably have to learn how to mask a little bit more. Or more to the point, you could have been I perceive that you might have been read as weird, not that you were being weird. Ugh. Yeah, that's so that's so triggering for me yeah that's that's the cringe part for her i think it's not it's not rather it's really weird it's more so people's perception which yeah, is something i am turkey that, i am literally turkey yeah as like the type of neurodivergent that sis and i are can be really rough like i coped with it by demolishing a sense of embarrassment in myself but not everyone has that it's like very high mm-hmm. like it doesn't go well what was i talking about as i even led into that story because i'd love to pick up oh wow we were Darn it, we were talking about parenting and you were talking about being a burnt out parent. Um, yeah. You started telling the story to acknowledge the weirdness I think that you felt. And then I said, oh, when it was, was it this? And then yeah. you're like, wait, what are you talking about? And that's when we are. Yeah, okay. I was just maybe making the point that other people don't seem as eager. Yeah, yeah. Simply, not not everyone seems to be as interested in communing together. <laughs> And we talk to some that are, yeah, my so-and-so in-law or whoever takes them every weekend or every Saturday. And we're like, even even if my so-and-so in-law was in town, I wouldn't trust most of them (laughs) to take my kids. I'm like, man. I mean, one one weekend a month or, you know, I mean, would do so much. Yeah. And maybe just people have, because the first parent that... I had four attempted connections with parents this weekend and it was like all of them were good, good, good. And then there was like a moment of disconnection. And the first one was somebody who was just like, yeah, they get along so great. We love having them over, blah, blah, blah. And then I, you know, asked about extended family and they were like, oh yeah, like that's why we moved back here. You know, my parents are up the street and my in-laws are just down in South Reno and 
they're super involved. And I was like, wow. And he mentioned how he was like, yeah, I don't think we could ever go back. Like, I don't even remember what it was like before that. And I was like, yeah, that's how, that's me with having two extra parents in the house. I'm like, I don't even, I can't even, how did we do it? How did we do it? I don't know. Well, even with like a, this feels like a bracket ending. (laughs) As humbling as this is, it's kind of a clunky brackety ending to this episode <laughs> but it's like midnight and Is we're it? well over the hour mark maybe after editing it will be just right i think so but i do want to go into an exclusive episode so go check out we have some amazing exclusive content up on the patreon right now including uh exclusive podcasts i did a 40 minute and it's edited so it's like delicious mm. 40 minute diary entry about what I'm learning in polyamory right now, which is my fear of expansion. So that was a question I didn't get to. You guys didn't get to your other two questions. So I'd love to do an exclusive um, episode where we talk about, I'm going to answer my fear in polyamory in the sex party with Dr. M. That's going to be a future episode. And um, yeah, I want to talk about some motherhood stuff. Mm -hmm. We still have not gotten the story of what went down at this sex party we've been waiting for like a I, week i wanted to like text you guys all the juicy details because other people got the juicy details it's just you guys who have it and i was like we have to save it for the pod we have to save it for the pod and we didn't get to record that episode tonight but there is an episode coming um uh, with the details of this in- just incredible sex party that we went to i'm just mind blown that this thing exists Please do not email and ask us what it was. We will not be giving any details. That is one of our very strict boundaries. We will be keeping the experience to just what just what he and I experienced together. And it was amazing. <laughs> and can I tell y'all? So we're like, basi- we're not basically, we're a household of, you know, four best friends. It is so hard waiting, but we are committed to, Joe and I are committed to hearing this for the first time on the podcast because you're going to get some real live reactions. Even Dr. M wouldn't tease out any of the dirt, being tight-lipped as he Mm. so often is. There were some tight lips. Uh, That's a teaser for what happened. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, cool. Okay, thanks for listening. Please join our Patreon. Bye. Love you. Love you. Fall in love just a little, oh, a little bit. Every day with someone new.